One, I wish I'd planned better. Two, I wish to a certain extent I had been more honest with my employers. I hadn't really told them that it was going to be a difficult few weeks. And then when I talked to them after that, they have said, you should have said something because we could have worked around this. We could have made things easier. You didn't need to take leave for this. We would somehow have worked it out. So for me, I I wish that I had just felt able to tell people. And I, I think it would have been an easier time in that way. Welcome to the Leaders with Babies podcast. My name is Verena Hefti. I am the CEO and founder of the Social Enterprise Leaders Plus. With this podcast and our award-winning Leaders Plus Fellowship Program, I want to give you access to inspiration and practical support so you can continue to progress your career whilst enjoying your young children. If you want to get involved, be that as a senior leader mentor or a fellow, then register interest here on leadersplus.org.uk forward slash register interest. Today's conversation is with three of our fantastic fellows who have children at primary school and went through the process of finding a school, settling the children in and going through that intense transition process, which most of them didn't really expect to be a challenge at all, but it very much turned out to be one. They share really honestly about what the process was like, what they've learned along the way, and most importantly, what they would do differently. There are plenty of practical tips, and I personally wish I would have the insights of these three women before I started the process of moving my daughter to primary school. Even if you're listening to this and your child isn't moving to primary school just yet, I'm sure you'll get plenty of practical ideas from it regardless. If you do find this topic useful, if you know anyone who does have a child starting primary school or an employer who works with people whose children start primary school, then do please take a moment to share this podcast with them with a direct text message or WhatsApp signal, etc., whatever you're using message, because then that can really help us spread the impact of the work that we are doing. So a big thank you in advance and enjoy the conversation today. Great. So a very warm welcome, fellows, to the podcast. Wonderful to have you here. Why don't we start with a round of introductions? If you can share who you are, who's in your family, what you do for a job and why you are a fellow. And we'll start with you, Lucy. Hi, I'm Lucy Dushak. I live with my husband and two children aged four and six. I'm the digital marketing manager for YHA England and Wales, which is an amazing 90-year-old youth charity. And I've worked for them for 17 years now. I was really fortunate enough to be recommended and encouraged to join the Leaders Plus Fellowship by my director. They recognised that the programme could be really beneficial to me and my career as I've got two young children and I was at that point trying to figure out what my next move should be, if at all, any move. Um, I wanted to reignite that motivation for striving for that next move in my career whilst having a young family at the same time. So my ambitions since doing this programme have really changed. decided that I do want to be a strategic focused leader in the digital and not-for-profit sector, whilst also being a brilliant mother and role model to my children. Wonderful. Suhana? 
My name is Suhana Ahmed. I am a consultant psychiatrist that works in the southwest of London. My family comprises of Daniel, who's a seven-year-old, and up until recently I was married and I now co-parent with my partner. I guess why I wanted to do the fellowship is because when I saw it, it really resounded with me in terms of always feeling like I had a constant struggle between being professional and having ambitions about my career but also being a good enough mum. It felt like it was made for me, essentially. Great. Elvira? Hi, my name is Elvira Klimova. I'm a senior psychiatric nurse in a crisis resolution home treatment team in Berkshire. And I'm due to start in a more senior role for the community mental health team uh, for the trust I'm currently working. I'm going to be a clinical lead. I have two boys, Dominic, who's eight years old, and Christian, who's three. And obviously what I struggle with and am still struggling from time to time is being a full-time employee and full-time, let's say, employee in a senior role and having a family. I've joined the leadership fellowship to identify the ways of maybe overcoming those struggles and I think what appealed to me and still appeals to me is that idea that babies and leadership can be combined and I think I've met so many amazing people during the leadership and I'm still meeting them and I would never have met them in my life and I think learning from them having a great mentor inspired me to progress in my career and kind of making the next move that was never a plan for me before I joined the fellowship. I think I'm much more ambitious now and I've learned so much that I think I can do much better than I ever thought I can. Mm. Wow, that's really lovely. I haven't heard you say this before, so that's really heartwarming to, to, to hear. I want to understand a bit more, I guess the listeners have some of them will have children starting in September. And I just want to hear from you what it was like. Let, let's start with you, Lucy. When you first realised that your child did have to go to primary school, what did you think you were having to do? What went through your head? Practically, what happened? I remember feeling quite worried about the primary school application process. There were thoughts in my mind such as, what if we don't get that application in on time? What if we choose the wrong school? Will we get our first choice of school and will our child be happy? I'm pleased to say that everything did fall into place. But it was a very important stage in all of our lives and it was tough mentally trying not to let those worries consume you whilst you're trying to work. I remember my daughter's first day at primary and I felt incredibly emotional she was transitioning into this new and unfamiliar environment that I'd got very little control over again would she settle would she be left on her own would she make friends and all of those worries were they were taking over my thoughts I can remember dropping her off at school hoping she would settle quickly and rushing off to work with tears streaming down my face to make sure that I attended a meeting and I can remember putting a lot of pressure on myself to almost pull myself together in order to be professional in the workplace. 
I think being the only team member with a child starting school was a challenge and I felt quite uneasy having to approach and have conversations with my line manager about my options of working from home on occasion to allow me to juggle my childcare responsibilities. I think I felt uneasy as the team all worked nine to five in the office every day and I felt as though that was an expectation and asking for some flexibility felt like almost a bit of a taboo subject when it absolutely shouldn't. I think bringing more awareness to managers around these key stages and changes can help people feel more comfortable having those conversations and knowing that there are options to help parents through this stage and that providing flexibility can actually increase your productivity. Mm, that's very powerful. Thank you for being so honest. And for you, Elvira, was it similar in that it was such a shock or was it was it more what you expected it to be like? I think what I would like to mention is that I come from a very different schooling system. I went to school in a different country where you go to a nursery or as we call it a kindergarten until you are six or seven which is a wrapped around childcare. It was a discovery for me the way things work obviously was very new and I had to invest a lot of time to find out how we need to organize things and how the process works so application system school application system and when we got the school we wanted for our son it was like winning a lottery. I mean, it was very, very different for me, I think, than I expected it to be because where I come from, you basically go to your local school and uh, you don't need to apply for a variety of schools. So there's no, there's no emotions attached in terms of getting a school that you want. In also, what was surprising and unexpected is learning that your child will not be going to school full time for the first month it's going to be a couple of hours every day yeah can you say more about just for the people who don't know about this can you say more about what that looked like in practice in practice I think different schools obviously do things differently but my son's school was transitioning children uh, letting children settle for three or four weeks so children would start with three hours for a week and then it would be four and a half hours I think and then they would obviously go for a full full time day so it all took a good four weeks three to four weeks and for me it was something quite new and unexpected as a family we had to find a way to offer some kind of involve everyone we could including the nursery private nursery where my son was before going to school as I mentioned it was a surprise and in in a way made me feel lost and um, also obviously my employer needed to know about that I had to talk about needing time off and how all of this is going to be organized was quite difficult I would say it was a difficult uh, situation for the family and uh, quite unexpected yeah I agree I mean I really didn't realize that there was going to be a settling in period at all so it was quite a shock but ours actually started with I think the first day was 45 minutes and that obviously <laughs> was not quite the childcare number of hours that my partner and I were looking at 
so practically, how can you say a bit more about how you made it work? So we made it work by asking the nursery where, where my son was prior to start starting school to basically come and pick him up from school so he can be in full-time childcare until obviously one of the parents can pick him up. Then I had to ask my family and friends to help. And also I think I needed to let my employer know that this is what is happening. I didn't expect it to be for such a long period of time. I had to explain that there would be days when I'll need more flexibility or I'll have to do paperwork later in the day from home trying to arrange things around those needs of a family I would call it this way so a lot of flexibility was needed from my employer. Suhana is there anything that surprised you or that you found really useful as you were managing this transition? I guess for me the point where Dan started primary school and the whole process started it made me realise that I couldn't do all the childcare by myself anymore. So up until that point, I had been doing drop-offs, I'd been doing pickups because of nursery. And it was at that point I needed to have a sit down with my husband and say, actually, how are we going to make this work? Because I can't drop him off every day and pick him up at 3.15 every day. That's probably the point where we had the discussion about how we were going to manage childcare. The other thing was when I was looking at schools, when you're going around looking, lots of them don't have after-school clubs. Lots of them um, have only a certain number of places for breakfast and after-school clubs and waiting lists. So for me, those were immediately ruled out regardless of the fact they were super amazing Ofsted schools because I needed some some leeway in terms of school. So that that was a, a probably a practical thing. And all schools have that settling in period. So I think you know it's coming. So I think for us, it, again, it was sitting down and saying to Craig, right, which days are you going to do? Which days am I going to do? How are we going to work this? So it was just trying to organise those first few weeks. So when they actually arrived, they didn't just sort of come out of nowhere, we already had a, a rough sort of plan. And you, like Elvira, you do shift work, don't you? How did you deal with that? Yeah, I mean, I, um, I for those first few weeks, I just took annual leave, actually, which I wouldn't do now, because I would do things differently. But I just thought it was easier to take annual leave than try and work it around my shifts and my on calls and my nights and so on. So I literally did take a chunk of annual leave to work around it because I, I genuinely didn't know how else I was gonna I was going to make that work. And you know that is the reality. It is a few weeks of really patchy childcare of a few hours. It's a really important few weeks for your child because Dan didn't know anyone at the school he was going to. So I felt like I needed to take that leave for me and for him emotionally and it worked really well mm. and that's good to know that it is despite it being challenging there was a well it's a happy end to the story you mentioned that you would do things differently what practically would you do differently I think we would probably looking back at it we would have looked at things like holidays sooner so what I wished I had done so the big difference for me with compared to nursery and primary school was the fact that school ended early the fact that they had holidays which you don't really have in nursery you had inset days you know which again I'd never heard of what is an inset day Exactly. Dan Dan for a long time called it an insect day, which actually felt a bit more amusing than an inset day. So I think 
And I plan a lot, but I don't think I planned well enough. So, you know, you know roughly when the holidays are going to be. I wish I had sat down and thought about those things before. I wish I had thought more early about things like holiday clubs and things because they really do just, they creep up on you so quickly. One minute you're starting school in those two weeks and before you know it's your Christmas holiday and you're thinking, I haven't got enough leave to take for this. So one, I wish I'd planned better. Two, I wish to a certain extent I had been more honest with my employers. I hadn't really told them that it was going to be a difficult few weeks. And then when I talked to them after that, they have said, you should have said something because we could have worked around this. We could have made things easier. You didn't need to take leave for this. We would somehow have worked it out. So for me, I I wish that I had just felt able to tell people. And I I think it would have been an easier time in that way. Interesting. And by the way, the insect days, or I love the name insect days as well. Those are basically just for anyone listening who doesn't know what that is. And I was definitely amongst you before having child at primary school that is basically teachers going to be trained for a day which means there is no school and you need to find alternative childcare. so lucy and elvira is there anything that you would do differently about the start the school start process i think for me yeah definitely echo a lot of what suhana said planning i like to think i am good at organizing myself and Suhana's exactly right. You can you can get the list of dates available as to when your schools open and close throughout the year and all the various different special days and activities that are on that list as well so that you can plan to obviously take time out for sports days and things like that. And I definitely think I've got better at that as, as I've gone on through my daughter's schooling life. But at the start... I definitely should have focused more attention on that and had those conversations with my line manager in advance and just planned a bit more better. And what specifically would you have said to your line manager? So if there are top three things that you need to tell them, assuming this line manager doesn't have children, has no idea of the UK school system, what are the basics that you need to tell them and talk to them about? Key dates would be my number one. So on the run-up to your your child actually starting school, I definitely think it's worth having conversations with your line manager about what that actually means and what what your needs are as a parent, whether that's you need some time to actually put the application process in, whether that's you need some time to actually go and visit some schools and check them out. It's, it all has to happen within the normal working week. So it's it's vitally important that you are able to have those upfront and honest conversations with them so that you can plan your work around it. Brilliant. And you mentioned that you're now feeling much more positive or prepared for your second child starting school this September. Definitely, yes. It took me five minutes to put the application through this time rather than a number of hours whittling and worrying about which schools I should put down on the application. Having his sister the same school obviously makes that a lot easier as well because you're more reassured that you know in all likelihood you will get the same school placement um your second child so I just felt a lot more organized this time Mm, brilliant we didn't get our first choice of school but actually I mean we've we have what I think is a brilliant school as much as you can tell from from the first two months or so and I was really this is going to sound, I don't mean to offend any teachers listening to this, but 
I was just really surprised and impressed with how good the teachers are and nursery staff are actually, you know, they're very well trained, they're very passionate, but having someone with a degree, I don't know if it's a degree or not, but clearly those are people who are, have studied intensively about how to support children. And so now I would feel 10 times more confident because I know that if my teacher is so brilliant, then it's likely to be, you have a good chance of getting a good teacher um, because of what they've gone through. Our child actually was um, at home for four weeks due to various COVID isolation situations. And so we could see the teacher on Zoom entertaining a class of four to five-year-olds. And if you've seen that, you just you think, wow, if they can do that, <laughs> they can do anything, I'm sure. Anyways, I'm digressing. Elvira, is there anything that you want to add about things that surprised you or that you might want to do differently for another primary school start? I think what I would suggest to other parents whose children are starting school and uh, what I would, would do differently with my second son, who's going to start school in a couple of years and he's going to start nursery in January, I would suggest that parents speak to the school and the teacher about the needs of their children because Children start schooling in this country at a very young age and they are expected to achieve quite a lot at that young age. And some of them are quite young and they're struggling. So I think it's very important to let the school know what the needs are in terms of maybe behaviours, food, toileting, all these things that are not really discussed when your child is expected to start school. And unfortunately, we, in my experience, I left it too late and uh, things have started to go into a wrong direction. And I ended up having a meltdown in school. I, I would be um, you know, honest about it. My son was not eating at all. And he obviously ended up behaving in a in a wrong way, let's say. So I had to speak to the welfare officer and things were made for him. You know, special adjustments were uh, in place. And if I knew this is going to happen, I would have spoken, you know, from the beginning. So I think when you know there are special things that need to be discussed, make sure you do that because it will make the whole transition much easier for the family and for the child. And it's going to be a much more enjoyable journey for everyone because you'll feel much more settled. Your child will be much more settled. And in terms of work and family life, I think it's going to be more, let's say, normalised in a situation when you know that your son or daughter are looked after the way they should be. I think that's important to remember as well. And you're helping the teachers or the teaching assistants to do their job, essentially. So there's no nothing bad about saying that. So would you have just asked for a meeting with the teacher and say, look, you know, these practical things could help? Or what specifically, if someone listening to this is a bit worried about their child being well supported, what would you tell them to do? Specifically, I would say that until you ask, you don't get. In terms of your work environment if you need something from your employer be rigid be ready have a plan and tell them what you need for the specific time of your child starting school same thing with school if you know your child has difficulties or special needs or just some things that can be easily done speak to the welfare officer and speak to the class teacher 
And if you need, you can take it further to the head teacher or assistant head teacher. I had to do it and I found everyone really helpful. But you need to make sure that you ask and you you talk because unless you ask and unless you explain what exactly is needed, you won't get it. Mm, that is brilliant advice. You all mentioned employers. Was there anything practical that either your employers did that helped you during the process of settling or that any of you wish they would have told their employers in addition to what you've mentioned already? I guess from my point of view, what helped was, you know, not obviously in those first few weeks I took annual leave, but then when I came back, flexibility is really important at that point. In that first few months, you want to be there to pick up your child because it's such a big life event for all of you so flexibility felt felt like a massive thing for me and I think there were there were sort of two aspects it's sort of your how it affects your professional life but also the fact that it has a massive emotional impact on you a bit like Lucy said so you know it's a bit like your first leaving your child for the first day at nursery so I think what would have helped with me is maybe just for someone to touch base with me um, send me a one-line email to just say I know it's been a hard week or a hard few weeks. I just wanted to know that you're okay. Is there anything I can do? That was it. I probably wouldn't have said that I needed anything, but it would have been really, really nice to know that someone acknowledged it was a really difficult time for you. Mm, That's so powerful. And I remember being a line manager of someone whose child was starting school and I didn't have children and I have no idea of the system. My attitude was a bit like, how is this an issue? Like surely... They just start school and then they're in school like they were at nursery. So is there anything that you would do with a line manager who is just through no fault of their own, just doesn't have a clue? I mean, it takes guts to say, well, actually, no, I need some help. This is tough. Interestingly, my line manager doesn't have children. I guess it, you know, in all sense and purpose, you know, she didn't know what I needed. I think what we probably needed to do was have some sort of informal job planning session. Because actually, your life does change at that point. Pickups are different, drop-offs are different. You know, there's school assembly sometimes that you want to go to. So I think what I would have done is requested a meeting with her before Daniel even started primary school to say, look, this is going to change my life. You may not know how. This is how it may change my life. How do you think we're going to be able to get around this? And I think just, just telling her how it would change my life, I think we then would have been able to look at sort of at looking at my job plan, thinking about what might help and what might not help, those sorts of things, because it's going to be different for everyone. For me, I knew that it was really important that I picked Dan up three days a week from school, that he didn't go to after school club. And that's always been my sort of line. So, you know, as long as I could do that, I could work around the rest of it. So people aren't going to know unless you tell them. Mm, very true. And I love the fact that you should have that conversation, even if you don't know what you need, just to start a conversation, say, this is my freshest thinking right now about what I think need and what I think is going to change, but then come back to it and say, well, actually, no, I realized there's this thing called insert days and it's a completely different kettle of fish. Lucia, Elvira, anything to add? What I think would be great for organizations to know Obviously, they know when their employees have taken maternity leave, so they can gauge quite easily how old 
their children are. So it would be great if they could almost have that information, that data stored somewhere so that they know when your child is coming up for school age, that they could potentially actually approach you rather than you having to have those awkward discussions and questions about flexible working, parental leave, and actually get them to approach you with the options to support you through that time. I think that would be fantastic. Something that I really am keen to get implemented within my organisation is just a simple idea of getting those key school dates into all line managers' outlook calendars so that everybody can see quite clearly when the key periods are, when your team that have children could potentially need to take some leave. Um, Again, just around that whole planning piece, I think it would really help people. Mm, Those are brilliant and very practical ideas. I love that you as a line manager will get an email saying there's a sensitive period for many people at the start of primary school. You may now want to have a starting primary school conversation similar to a returning from maternity leave or share parental leave conversation. I would like to add that it would be nice if employers and managers and everyone remembers that parenting is a tough job and Things like parental leave, for example, is there for people to take time off when they need to look after their children. And uh, I mentioned this example, I think, already, but my partner has taken parental leave a couple of times and he was called a part-time and he was laughed at. And I think it's such a good example of how things are actually happening in real life. Yes, parental leave exists. It's there for parents to be taken, for example, with times when children start primary school or other important periods in children's life. But then when you take it, you call the part time and you're laughed at. So things like that. I think world is changing. You know, there's a lot more men who are looking after their children and as well as women. We all need to be aware of what we eligible, such as parental leave and and family leave. And if this leave needs to be taken, employees have to be more flexible about it. Mm, Absolutely. For those listening who don't know, can you just explain what this parental leave is? So parental leave is unpaid leave for parents of children under 18 years old. And you're allowed to have a certain amount of weeks and you can take it a weekly period so you can take one or two weeks of parental leave or more weeks obviously and your employer has to agree to that. I think it's up to 20 weeks of parental leave for each child but I'm not sure. Okay yeah we we can have a look and put it in the notes of this podcast but I think the other point that you made which is so important is the role of the partner and obviously some of those listening will be in same-sex partnerships but there may be many women listening who have male partners and you're absolutely right there is not going to be true gender equality unless you can get that both partners have a chance to fully immerse themselves in all the joys and tribulations of, of childcare. Did any of you do something brilliant that really helped you in your work with your partner jointly balancing the start of primary school? It's all about a wall planner. 
So what you need is a big wall planner with square boxes so that you can work, and you need different colored pens. So there's a pen for when Craig takes, when Craig was taking leave and there was a pen for when I take leave because I was really, really keen on us trying to do things equally. I knew up until that point, I had carried a lot of the weight of the childcare. So I, I just thought I need some objective evidence that we're both doing some, and we had always talked about doing things equally. So for me, it was having that objective evidence of, right, I'm doing pickups these days, you're doing pickups. We've done about the same in the last month and the same with holidays and so on. So I think it's then that you take, you need to have that really frank conversation with your partner because unless you do, you are assuming they're going to do something, you then end up being resentful that they haven't done something. So that that conversation is so important to clarify what bits you're going to do, what bits they can do and coming to some sort of agreement about it. Mm, absolutely and that is equally important whether or not you are in a couple relationship or whether you're co-parenting yeah couldn't agree more that's brilliant advice I shall get myself one of those I feel like it could really solve some <laughs> some challenges yeah it's, a, it's all about a wall planner and, and coloured pens I'll get you some Verena don't worry <laughs> excellent Lucy I think exactly again what Sahana's already said um, making sure that you find that time to actually talk and figure out a plan ensuring that you are you're both equally involved and you're sharing that responsibility and I think the the other thing that's really important is having that regular check-in with each other and making sure that whatever plans you've put in place are still working for each of you actually looking at building a support network as well so don't just have to completely take the full pressure on you and your partner see if there's you know, another network that you can get involved to ease that pressure, whether that's family, friends, other mums and dads at the school gates, ensuring that you've got that backup for days where your meeting's overrun or your train is delayed. I think that's really important. Mm, that's excellent advice. And sometimes those local networks do make all the difference, don't they? Is there anything else we haven't talked about that we really want to share with listeners? Something that we speak about as a group and as part of this fellowship is about banishing that mum or dad guilt we're all very always trying to be the perfect mother and the perfect worker and I think you know sometimes things happen where you can't always be that perfect mother for example if if you've all, if you've got to work away for a few days you can't be there to collect your child and something has to give sometimes so just having that reassurance that you can't do it all and you can't do it all perfectly all of the time. I guess from my point of view, I think this is the first step in a longer journey. So I sort of find that it's a bit like they say, everything's a phase, don't they? It's a bit like nothing is static with a child. It's always dynamic. So this will work for a while, but then actually in six months time when they're off sick, you then run into another problem and you then have the conversation with your husband or your partner saying, but I can't take the day off, but I can't take the day. So there is things always change. It's knowing that. So just because something works right now doesn't mean it's going to work forever because I, I, I really do think that things change and you sort of have to adapt to that as a parent, I think, in terms of your profession and personally. And it is really emotionally difficult 
the whole thing. So don't pretend it isn't. There are aspects of it that emotionally I sort of wish that I had been more open about the fact that I really struggled, you know, and then sort of six months in when Daniel said he was being bullied, I struggled again, you know, and I tried to hide it, but I should have just, I should have just told people that it was really difficult and it was really hard because it is. Absolutely. That's very wise advice. Thank you for sharing that so honestly, Suhana. Anything else that you want to share with listeners? Okay. So mine is buy a wall planner and some colored pens. My second one is send an email or ring your employer to tell them that you want to have a conversation with them. And my third one is fix a time with your partner this week or next week to sit down and have an honest chat about how the next year is going to work. I would like to actually correct myself quickly. So unpaid parental leave is for 18 weeks. So in terms of starting school, I would say that it's a very, very big step and a big milestone for the whole family. And I would like to congratulate every parent whose child is due to start school. It's actually, it's emotional, but it's great. And seeing them in the uniform is it's amazing. It's perfect. And make sure you'll take lots of pictures because it's a one day in their life when they're doing it. There is a lot of other things to come. So a lot of other new things like um, after school clubs and extracurricular activities that were not there where children were in nursery. So the life is going to get busy, but more interesting. So keep the good thing going and I think always see the positive. There's a lot of good things in changes and challenges. So like Lucy and Suhana mentioned that things are going to change and you make a plan and then your child is sick and you have to come up with another plan. And yeah, so I think embrace a challenge. Let's call it this way. (laughs) (laughs) Very inspirational as always, Elvira. So we're coming to the end of this podcast. Let's try if we can give three very practical things people could do this week if their child is starting primary school in September. Yep. Familiarize yourself and visit different schools to get a good feel for which one is going to suit yours and your child's needs the best. Obviously, due to COVID, that's not going to be an option at the moment the short term but there are many schools offering video virtual tours to help you get an insight into the environment your child's going to be in each day and I think that can be really helpful to reduce any anxieties that you have about that transition. Secondly I would say yeah making sure that you've got a good solid open and honest relationship with your manager so that you can talk about your needs freely as a parent and I think that also feeds into your team as well making sure that they're aware that you're not necessarily always going to be available nine to five to meet their expectations, give them access to your calendars so that they can see, you know, where you've got time blocked out and ask that that time's respected for when obviously you need to go and do school runs and things. My third one would be practice the school run in both quiet and busy times and work out how long it's actually going to take you in preparation for your discussions with your manager and that will inform you obviously when you need that flexibility to be out of the office. I think ladies mentioned a lot of good advice. A couple of things from me. I think 
there's still time to think about your child and family needs and think about what those are and choose the schools by knowing those needs rather than going by the best school in the area. And the second advice would be speak to the family and friends who have been through this process already. So just get some some advice of how they've done it. See what you think is going to work for you. I think it's always good to get some some feedback and let's say some information from people who who have been there already. That's I think all from me. Wonderful. Thank you very much for this very rich advice. I wish I would have listened to you all before starting before sending our child to primary school. I think quite a lot would have been slightly smoother. So thank you that was a really thoughtful conversation and look forward to our next session on the Leaders Plus Fellowship Programme. I presume in terms of getting in touch with you or connecting with you, I know Lucy and Suhana, you are on Twitter. Elvira, are you happy for people to add you on LinkedIn? Yes, I am. Thank you. I'm actually working on, on getting my LinkedIn page up to date. So yes, it would give me give me a bit more motivation to do it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening today. If you are looking to join a network of like-minded, ambitious individuals who are parents across sectors and you want to hear more from wonderful mentors, then do head to leadersplus.org.uk to register interest right now. If this podcast has helped you in any way, please take a moment to share it with three of your friends, send them a WhatsApp message or signal or whatever you're using and leave a review and most importantly hit the subscribe button that makes a massive difference because it helps us to reach more people and also will help us as we'll enter the podcasting awards in January so thank you in advance for supporting this work obviously like with any podcast five star reviews really help with the visibility until next time have a wonderful week